Yeah, what's going on, man? It's me, Dom Sharp. I'm the host of the This Is What You Should Podcast, the home of Potty Mouse, and the fastest growing podcast in the history of podcasts. Don't Google that, because it's a fact, though. And I want to say a few words about Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard, Anchor is the easy way to make a podcast. Let me explain to you real fast. Number one, it's free. And Anchor allows you to edit and record your podcast right for your phone or laptop. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. You can make money off your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So if you got 10 listeners, 20 listeners, 30 listeners, 40 listeners, 50 listeners, no matter how many fucking listeners you got, you can make money off your podcast. No problem. It's everything you ever going to need to make a podcast all in one place. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to your Google Play Store or your App Store and download the Anchor app today. Now, if you ain't got a phone or you ain't got a fucking tablet, you got a laptop because how else would you be listening to this right now? I need you to go on your laptop and go to anchor.fm and create your podcast today. It's the easy way to make a podcast. I'm telling you, I did this, so so can you. Let's get it done. Hey, before we get to the bullshit, Quick reminder, follow us on Instagram at listen to this why you shit. Follow us on Twitter at listen and shit. And if you have the time, go over to our Apple podcast page and give us a rating review. Whether you love the podcast or you hate the podcast, tell us why you hate or love it. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the bullshit. here ladies and gentlemen it is here the michael jordan documentary the last dance produced by espn it is now finally here this documentary was originally supposed to re- be released i believe it i believe it is the week of the nba finals i believe that was the original release date for it but due to quarantine and the coronavirus and covid19 and nobody being allowed to go outside now they said fuck it let's just drop it now and the perfect timing to drop it. Let's just say this. Let's give the fucking guys over at ESPN uh, a round of applause. Let's give them a fucking round of applause. Because they could have stuck to their guns and they could have held this shit until June. They could have they could have held it until June. But they said, no, that's not smart. That's not right. The people are clamoring for sports. Let's give them some sport to fucking talk about. See, me... Being a person who was born in 1997, the year that Michael Jordan won his last championship, I have no idea 
about most of the shit. I I I know I know not much of it. All I know is barbershop stories about the shit. So this is something that I was actually really really looking forward to watching, because I don't know much about the Michael Jordan story. Now, old heads who are ten years older than me, fifteen years older than me, twenty years older than me, whatever the whatever case may be, this is their goat, right? This is the guy they walked, they grew up idolizing. So this is this a trip down memory lane for them. But for me. This is something I've never experienced. So this podcast is going to be a review of somebody who who did not know a lot of this information. So every episode, well, I thought they was going to do one episode, but apparently they drop it in two episodes at a time. So every time they drop a little two-pack, I'm going to review a two-pack. So this is the first, so this is a review of episode one and episode two, okay? Let's start out by saying that a lot of this, a lot of this was talking about how, how competitive Michael Jordan was. Now, Anybody who knows the story of Michael Jordan in any capacity know that this man is competitive. He's ultra competitive. That is what he hangs his hat on. That is not. That was not a surprise to me. That was not information I didn't know going into the documentary. I knew this. So hearing about him going to, so hearing about him not making the fucking the, the fucking varsity team his sophomore year and then training that whole summer and coming back being six three, six four, and making the team was not news to me. I knew that. It's not news to me. Roy Williams, the assistant coach at UNC at the time, who was now the head coach at UNC at, in, the, in the present, saying that Michael Jordan once told him that he wanted to be the best basketball player to ever walk through that campus. Well, Roy Williams said, well, you got to work hard at everybody else. And Michael Jordan said, well, I worked hard at everybody else. And Roy Williams saying, well, I thought you wanted to be better than everybody. That's not, story. That's not a story that I did not know. I knew these stories. The story that I did not know is of the GM of... The Chicago Bulls at the time, Robert Krause. I did not know who the fuck this man was. I did not know. But apparently he is the mastermind behind building the, the great team that was the, the, the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s. That was that guy. So the documentary pretty much starts... At the end of the run, going into the 97-98 season, I believe, the season where he won his sixth championship. So going into that season, the documentary starts there. And it starts with him saying, I want to blow this shit up. It starts at the end of them winning the fifth championship saying, well, we we are going to, like, these guys are getting old. We got to start rebuilding eventually. Which is, by the way, I'm a big sports fan. That's what everybody does in sports. Once, once a, the, the, the rule of thumb in sports is trade a player two years early, not two years late. Get rid of a guy two years early, not two years late, because if you keep him two years late past his prom, he is fucking up your chances of winning a championship. If you trade him two years early, you may get a better return off. You may, you may get a better return for that player than you would have if you waited. This is why Tom, this is why Bill Belichick has been so successful throughout the years, and this is why the Chicago Bulls failed. Now, that's a hot take, maybe. But the, the guy Robert Cross is a smart guy, okay? You don't draft Scottie Pippen and Robin Horace in the same draft and don't be called a smart guy. You, you, you can't do that. Like, it is physically impossible. You don't sign Scottie Pippen to a seven-year deal worth $18 million and you're not a smart guy. I'm going to get to that. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but let's stay on episode one. So the episode one was basically saying that, yo, we don't like this nigga. The theme of the first two episodes is the people versus Robert Krause. 
the people being the Chicago Bulls, the players and the coaches, and Robert Krause representing the front office. The players was like, nah, let's run this back again. Robert Krause was like, yo, Phil Jackson, you're up out of here. Scotty Pippen, we're going to trade you. We're getting rid of all you old fucks, and I'm bringing in some new blood. Now, the owner of the of 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 the owner of the Chicago Bills, whose name is escaping right now, he ultimately vetoed the whole thing because his exact quote was, well, if Michael Jordan's coming back, we got a chance to win regardless. Which I see no lies there. I see no lies in that statement. If you got Michael Jordan, the best basketball player to ever play, the, the most winningest basketball player to ever play, then you got a chance. You got a chance. So that was that was pretty much the theme behind episode one. Episode one was the people versus Robert Krause. We even took we even we even flashed back to where Michael Jordan was where, where his roots and where he came from and not making the team and things of that nature. But the premise was, yo, fuck this nigga. Episode two is probably my favorite episode of, of the night so far. Episode two had was the was the episode I took the most notes on because it was so much shit said. So much shit said. By the way, before I move out, before before I move on episode two, Phil Jackson is a genius. By the way, Phil Jackson is a fucking genius. Like a lot of people get Phil Jackson shit because of what he did with the Knicks and shit like that. He trying to build the team and he eventually just step it down, saying "fuck this, I can't do this shit." I don't blame him for that. James Dolan is a, James Dolan is a dickhead. Everybody who knows basketball knows James Dolan may be the worst owner in the history of owners in all sports. Like he is, he 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 is he is too power hungry, and he does not he cannot relinquish power to anybody who's smarter than him. So I don't blame Phil Jackson for that. But Phil Jackson is the same guy that won six championships with 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 with, with Michael Jordan. Then immediately after that, when it got Kobe and Shaq, and won three championships with them, and then won and and then won two extra ones with fucking Powell Gasol and Andrew Bynum. So Phil Jackson's a genius. Phil Jackson also is the reason why this documentary is called The Last Dance. Once, once uh, Phil got a deal, Phil got his his contract. It was a one year contract at the before this before the ninety seven ninety eight season, and it was like, "Yo, Phil, this is it." The fucking GM Robert Carl said, "Bro, you're out of here after this season. You're the fuck out of here." And Phil said, "Well, if this if this is it, well, this is the last dance. The first the first meeting." The first official meeting after the trip from Italy where Michael Jordan fucking balled on niggas. The first trip back, official team meeting, Michael Jordan, fucking Phil Jackson called a meeting. And in the booklet for that season, it said on the front of it, the last dance. Phil knew that this was going to be his last run. He said, let's make it a good run. So let's fast forward to episode two. Episode two talks more about Scottie Pippen. And, um, well, it's, it focuses a lot more on Scottie Pippen. I think that's interesting, number one. Because for a long time, right? Say so. Back in my middle school, I don't know. A lot, may, a lot of people may feel the same way about. Um, a lot of people in my age range may may feel this, right? Between the eighteen to like twenty five age range, you may feel this. There was a lot of bashing of LeBron growing up. This is when it was around like when 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 LeBron went to Miami. Niggas called niggas said it was a bitch move because LeBron had to go team up with Wade and Bosh to go win championships. A lot of niggas said it was a bitch move and all that cool flash shit, but I I can vividly remember having this conversation in front of older in front of old heads and shit like that, and they would always say, "Well, Michael never won on his own either. Michael had Scotty. Michael had Scotty, 
And I will always be like, well, did he really? Because I never got to watch Michael Jordan play. I've never, I've never seen Michael Jordan play live. I was not like when he was playing for the Wizards. Oh one, it was oh one, oh two, some shit like that. And I was what like I was born ninety seven. I was like four or five maybe. So I did not get a chance to actually watch him play. So I don't, I don't know about this. So like I said, it's all coming from a perspective. All this is new information to me. Michael Jordan said, when you speak Michael Jordan, you should speak Scottie Pippen. That's an, that is a exact quote. From Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan made an emphasis that he put, it's a point of emphasis. This is not in like the flashbacks where he was talking to the camera. This was in the, like the present time now when he was like doing the confessional to the camera saying, when you speak Michael Jordan, you speak Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan understands that he never won. He never would have won a championship without Scottie Pippen. But with that being said, Scottie Pippen was so valuable to that to that 90s Bulls team. But yet he was the 122nd ranked player salary. Let me rephrase that. 121 people made more money than Scottie Pippen. 121 NBA players made more money than Scottie Pippen. I'm gonna say that one more time on my on my Dr. Umar shit. Scottie Pippen made less money. Than 121 players in the NBA. That is absolutely ridiculous. And it's all because in 1991, Scottie Pippen signed a seven-year deal worth $18 million. Now, the owner of the Bulls, he says that when, when, when the contract was bought up, he told Scottie, don't sign this shit. This is a bad deal for you. But Scottie felt like the felt felt as though that he had to sign it. He couldn't, he couldn't risk not being financially secure. So this goes back to where we, we gave we gave a background of who Scotty was. I believe Scotty, I believe the family was uh, uh, was a family of fifteen. His two parents and thirteen kids was in his house growing up, and his his brother and and I believe it was junior high became uh, paralyzed because of a kid sat on him or some shit, and his dad had a stroke and became paralyzed. So he had two paralyzed humans in his life that he had to like financially take care of. Like he he didn't had have the time. To be like, I can I can sign this two year deal and say, well, give me this two year deal, and in two years I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a prove it to you. Give me this one year prove it deal, and I'm going to come back next year and ask for more money. Scotty didn't Scotty didn't think that was smarter for him. Scotty said, I need the guaranteed money. But you do the math on that, well, that's like one and a half million every year, seven years, eighteen million, and that's something like that. I mean, I'm 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 not a I'm not I'm not a mathematician. I have a podcast. If I'm wrong, correct me in the comments. But yeah, I believe somewhere around there. Maybe, yeah, maybe two, maybe two and a half million. Was he wasn't making a lot of money? Basically, he was not making a lot of money. Signed seven year deal worth eighteen million in nineteen ninety one. And at the, at the beginning of the ninety seven ninety eight season, the six champion season, Scotty held out. Didn't hold didn't hold out for contract reasons, but Scotty he. He had a, he needed to get surgery at the end of the 96 season, 96, 97 season, but he held off until the beginning of the next season because he said, he said, fuck it. I'm not going to play. Like, why would I play? Like, I've already proven I've, I'm going to, I've already proven what I'm worth. The GM already said he's going to trade me after the year. So what the fuck am I playing for? What the fuck am I playing for? It made Scott, and I'm not. I'm not gonna mad at. I'm not mad at him. I'm not. I'm not mad at him for that take because, especially, I like you know, this is 2020. I, this is the player empowerment era, as what like Bill Simmons and shit calls it. This is the player empowerment era. So everybody knows that in this era of basketball, this era in sports, now more than ever, players are leveraging their worth more for more money. So if this if this story happened now, 
nobody will ever think nobody 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 will bat an eye at people like oh yeah whatever that's what you do yeah you leverage to get more money you are worth more you should get more that's that's that will be common knowledge people would be like yeah fuck it but because it's 1998 97 niggas is like Scotty Wilding. even Jordan Michael Jordan said this is in the post the post the post like time current timeline when he's talking to the camera the fucking confessionals he's saying I thought my I, I thought Scotty was being selfish. I think Scotty was putting himself before the team. Now, that's easy to say for Michael. That's easy to say for Michael Jordan. Because Michael Jordan yet necessarily wasn't making $30 million at the time. But he also had Jordan and he also had a whole bunch of McDonald's commercials. So he was bank, he was bringing in revenue. Like he was bringing in money. It was fine for him to say, yo, just suck it up and come play. You were you were making money, dog. Scotty was not making that much money. Like, I get it. Scotty felt like he deserved more. And on top of that, Scotty really hated Robert Cross. Now, there's there is a few times in the doc where, like, Jordan, he pokes fun at, like, Robert Cross. He say some shit like, hey, bro, you going to come do the layup line with us? He said, and Robert Cross go, yeah, I'm going to do the layup line with you. And Jordan says, well, we got a load of rim for you. <laughs> like, that's funny. It's a few times where Jordan, like, throw, like, playful jabs at him. But apparently, Scotty really hated Robert Cross. Like, he hated his fucking guts. He hated that nigga. With all his heart... With all his passion, he did not like that man because he felt like he has already written him off as a castaway. So we're getting you the fuck out of here. And I'm not mad at him like that. Scotty felt unappreciated. Robert Krause had a rule. He said, once you negotiate a contract, don't come back and try to renegotiate that shit. I believe Phil Jackson said that inside the documentary. He had a rule. Once you sign the contract, don't come back and try to renegotiate it until that contract is up. So for seven years... Scotty Pippen had to rock out with that little bit of money. Well, I'm not saying little. Like, it's a lot of fucking money compared to me, but compared to what Scotty Pippen was worth to that team, that's a little bit of fucking money. Scotty Pippen was easily worth how much is Michael Jordan worth making on that team? How much, okay, how much is Michael Jordan worth? Well, Scotty is less, well, Scotty is worth 10% less than what, than what Michael Jordan is worth. Because in Michael Jordan's own words, you don't speak Michael Jordan and not speak Scotty, Scotty Pippen. Scotty never won without Mike, and Mike never won without Scotty. Those two need each other to win. And it's proven. It was three years before Scotty got there, Michael didn't win a championship. That one year when Michael left the Kobe baseball and Scotty was the head of the team, Scotty didn't win shit. Those two needed each other. So I think it's really interesting about Scotty Pippen and his whole situation. So I wanna I wanna I wanna talk about whether or not whether or not you think Mike because like I said Mike said that he thought Scotty was being selfish. Now do you think do um this is I'm just I want you to think about this because you can't physically answer me right now. I'm just brainstorming here. Do you think do you think Mike was saying that because he felt slighted because Mike showed up every day to work and worked out his hardest. Mike is a winner. All Mike cares about is winning. I'm gonna tell the story in a little bit about all Mike cared about was winning. All all Mike cared about was winning. Do you think that Mike said, "Yo, you're being selfish because you're not putting winning first, or was it because Mike was tired of carrying the load of the team and Scotty? He knew that Scotty was going to bring a load. Like like I said, Mike can't win without Scotty. Scotty never won on Mike. Do you think Mike was scared that he wasn't going to win that sixth championship if Scotty wasn't there? Because like I said, Scotty said, "I'm not." Scotty said, I'm done. Scotty even went so far as to said, yo, I'm never going to play in a Bulls jersey again. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not suing up for them. I'm not suing up for these niggas no more. 
Fuck y'all. He went as far to say that shit. So I don't know. I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of Michael was so competitive that he saw that Scotty not showing up as as weakness. Like, bro, you really not about to show up over some money? That's some bitch nigga shit. And I think part of it was, a, Mike, Michael probably never meant this. I think part of it was a deep down fear that he may not win. He may not win his championship without Scotty. Because also, I, in, in, in the doc, they showed this started, they started that season like four and four, or four and five. They was losing the bottom of the barrel teams in NBA at the time. They was losing to bad teams. And Mike was just walking away mad. I believe Steve Kerr said something to the doc. He said, when you're a good team, when you're a team that is expected to win, losing one game can feel like five games because it's the pressure of you know that you're better than them. You're supposed to win. Steve Kerr said something in a doc. He said that playing with Scott, Steve Kerr said that they wasn't playing with a lot of continuity. They wasn't playing together as a team. And that was Scotty's job. Scotty was the glue guy. Scotty was the guy that brought the guys together. He he. He could bridge the gap between Michael Jordan, the first man on the team, and the 12th man on the team, whoever that may have been. That was his job. So without him, it wasn't playing as a team. So I think part of it is, like, I think Mike was, like, actually scared that he would not win a championship. And mind you, he said this in, in the present time, in the present in the present timeline. It wasn't back in the day where he said it to the news anchor. He said it, like, today. I think Mike still harbors a little bit of resentment for that shit. I think Mike is still like, yo, Scotty, you fucked me over. Like, you fucked me. Like, you did that. I think, I don't know. I just don't know. I think it's, I think the dogs were interesting. I think it's, uh, they, uh, they went back, they went back and told a story about Michael's second season, right? Michael's second season, it was the second season, like the third game or some shit like that. He, he had a fracture in his foot, broke his foot or some shit like that. It was over with. And he missed about 60-some games. And he was just on the bench, just heated. Like, he wanted to play so bad, but he couldn't. So then he convinced the Bulls front office to allow him to go back to college. He allowed, allowed him to go back to UNC. And Mike said he started playing one-on-ones, then three-on-threes. The next thing you know, he was just playing five-on-fives out of nowhere. Just playing five-on-five, four-curl basketball on a foot that he probably shouldn't have been walking on. Like, he probably shouldn't have been walking on. And when Mike got back to the Bulls, when, when Mike got back to the Bulls facility, they said that his injured leg was stronger than his non-injured leg. Like, they're like, what the fuck have you been doing? And Mike was like, well, I've been working out. Like, I've been, I've been, I was playing five-on-fives down there. Five-on-fives. After, after he got back, the team doctor said it was a 10% chance that he could get hurt again. And the front office did not want to play him. And I believe the owner of the team, he gave him a a uh, a riddle of sorts, an uh, ultimatum or something like that. You know how, like, bad guys in movies, they speak in, like, stories and shit like that? It was one of those. He was like, let's say you had, like, a real bad headache, and I gave you some pills. Now, nine out of those pills is going to cure your headache. But one of those pills is going to kill you. And then he asked him, Mike, would you take the pills? And Mike's response was, if the headache fuck is bad enough, I'll take that shit. I think that speaks to how competitive he is. Like, I know how, I know the stories, the stories about how competitive Mike is. But it was like, yo, okay, it's a 10% chance that I may get hurt again. But it's also a 90% chance I can be just be back on the court and, and be balling again. But the team doctor said, yo, like, if that shit hurts again, if, if you get hurt on that foot again, 
your career could be over. So the team was looking out for their interests. They was like, Doug, you are the franchise. You are the reason we are expected to be one of the best teams in the league. This is only second season, though. They was like, yo, you are going to be the greatest player of all time. We can see that now. So we can't just lose you for the rest of your career or with some foot injury and we can just sit you out. Like, But Mike was so competitive, he said, nah, bro. I need to play. So him in the front office eventually came to a middle ground, and the middle ground was about 14, point, 14 minutes a game. Mike couldn't play 14 minutes a game. He, he, he couldn't play more than 14 minutes a game. 14 minutes a game was his cap. Minutes restriction. If you, if you know sports, you know basketball, you know that minutes restriction is the thing. Sometimes you get hurt, you come back a little bit too early, you want to play, they put you on minute restriction. I know for a fact one of the big players that's been on minute restriction for, for a while now is Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, same type of thing, foot injuries, so they put him on a minute restriction. So to, to limit the amount of stress that is being added to the, to the injury, right? But in a late, a late season game versus the Pacers, Mike was playing. That game was important because if they won, they will be in the position to be they will be in the position for the playoffs. But because of his minute restriction, Mike couldn't play in crunch time, even though it was 13 seconds left. And Mike was begging the coach at the time, like, yo, coach, it's 13 seconds. And 13 seconds, put me the fuck in. Put me the fuck in. And somebody said, I don't know if fucking Krause came down from like the rafters or the or, or the or the box was like, yo, get Michael out the game before he get fucking hurt. Mike believes that the only reason that they pulled him, because it was 13 seconds. 13 seconds is not it, it could possibly feasibly do something to his foot, but he already been and he was already in the flow of the game. He was already balling. Thirty seconds would not have done nothing. So I think that Mike believed that him get, being called out of the game was uh, was a strategy for them to tank, for them to get a better position in 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 a in the draft lottery to potentially get some better players. I think that was like Mike's thing, and that created this long and and that created this long history of distrust between Mike and the front office. Now, they won the game because Robert Paxton eventually hit, like, some bullshit turnaround fucking floater, and it went in. So they won, but Mike was still weary about that. Mike was like, I don't trust these niggas. But Mike's reward, apparently, for winning that game and getting into the playoffs was they had to play the fucking Boston Celtics in the 80s. Now, like I said, I don't know much about basketball from this time, but I know the Boston Celtics in the 80s was a formidable team. I know that. I played NBA 2K12 with all, with, with the old, with all the old teams and how stacked they were. I know that. I know that for a fact those motherfuckers were formidable. Danny Age, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale. Formidable team. Mike had to go against them niggas. Mike came out the first game. Scored 49 on the heads. 49. Next game. Before that game, Danny, Danny Ainge and uh, Jordan, like Jordan, they went out to play golf a little, a, a few rounds of golf. Danny Ainge said, I might have took a couple dollars from, from Mike, whatever. I, I took a few dollars from him, right? And they dropped. So it was him. It was Michael Jordan, Danny Ainge, and a reporter. So they had dropped Danny Ainge off first. And Mike had told the reporter, watch what I do to your mans tomorrow. That's what he said. There's so many words that we say. He said, yo, watch what I do to your mans tomorrow. Watch what happened to this nigga. And... Mike dropped six three three on them niggas' heads and a lost. Bro, he dropped 63 on them niggas' heads and lost still. 
Now, I have know about this game because that was one, was 2K11. Michael Jordan was on the cover of, and they had the Jordan moments and shit like that. I played that Jordan moment. By the way, I beat that Jordan moment, by the way, so thank you. But that was one of the Jordan moments. I played that, so I know, I've, know, I've, I've known about that. But it was the fact that he scored 63 in a loss. I thought they won. I, like I said, I wasn't alive for none of this shit. I was not alive. It was the 80s. I was born in 1987. Don't know, don't know nothing about this bullshit. Not bullshit. I don't know nothing about that shit. But in my head, I thought they won. Because how many players you know drop 6-3 in a loss? That's just not something that happens. Like, if James Harden drops 6-3 tomorrow, well, he probably will lose. Because, yeah, the ball, yeah. Okay, it makes sense. Never mind. But still, it's Jordan. I thought that he would just, I thought 6-3 was him willing the team back for a W. But no, he lost to. Like, it got to the point where, like, their best defender, Dennis Johnson, had, like, four fouls in the third quarter. They were just throwing bodies at him, bodies at him, bodies at him. And nobody could stop this nigga. Nobody could stop this nigga. It was crazy. It was it was crazy. It was it was crazy. It was a it was a quote that Larry Bird said that fucking cra- that that fucking blew my mind. He said, That wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan. That's Larry Bird on, on Jordan's game too. Of the first series of a of first round one. Round one of a, of the playoffs, that's what he said. The one versus eight matchup. I heard Magic say some shit like he's like, yo, me, me and Bird, we've been at we had been around for a while. So we had knew. Like we had knew like who who the great was and like what it takes to be great in this league. And they played against Michael. It was like, that guy's coming. They were scared of him. But um Yeah. That's pretty much all the notes I took. Episode two, in my opinion, was more entertaining because number one, you got the Scotty Pippen, you got a Scotty Pippen factor. You got the whole Michael Jordan gets hurt story and all that. So that was more entertaining. I think episode one set it up, but I'm definitely excited to see where this series goes. Now, some of some old heads and shit like that, they know exactly where the series. They know exactly where this is going. They live this. I didn't live this shit. So me personally, I'm actually look forward to watching this. I'm looking forward to watching this and see where they take this. Because it's honestly a good doc. It's honestly a good doc. I cannot wait. One thing that has happened, though, the uh, the uh, LeBron Nets, you know, all, all the all the LeBron stands are coming out on the Internet and saying shit like, all right, but, but uh, Bron's still better than Jordan. Bron's still better than Jordan. Ah, da, 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 da. Doesn't matter. Me personally, I personally believe that LeBron is a better basketball player than Jordan. I, me personally, I believe that if I was building a team, the first pick I'm taking is LeBron, because, like, now granted, Jordan got that killer instinct. He gonna get you a bucket when you need a bucket, right? But if you put the pieces around LeBron to succeed, he gonna you can put like mid tier players around LeBron. He gonna make he gonna elevate him. But that's just because that's who I watched my whole life. Like, I didn't get to see Jordan in his prom. I've seen LeBron in his prom. I've seen LeBron in Miami. I've seen LeBron come back from a 3-1 deficit and win the finals. I've seen that. So I'm taking LeBron because that's my guy. Like, he's he's that's, he's my guy of my era. I'm 22 years old. That's my guy. But I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad if somebody said, nah, give me, give me, uh, give me Jordan. So let's stop the whole debate thing on the internet, guys. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives no. Nobody gives one fucking shit about how you feel about LeBron. We are talking about Jordan right now. 
Fucking the NFL. The NFL is tweeting shit about the draft. I'm excited for the draft. My Eagles need to make some like some picks to get me excited for the season next year. If we have a season next year, but don't tweet about that shit during the Jordan Doc. Only content I want to see on my TL during the Jordan Doc is content about the Jordan Doc. If we're not talking about Last Dance, what the fuck is we talking about? You heard? I right, then. But thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Listen to Why You Should Podcast, the home of Potty Mouths, the fast growing podcast, and the history of podcasts. Do not Google that because that is a fact, though. I have been your host, Dom Sharp. There's two things in this world that every human has opinions and assholes. I so happen to be an asshole with an opinion. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday so we can review the other half of this doc. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You don't fuck with them. Well, thank you for listening to that whole podcast. You are appreciated. You are a gem, and I love you. And if you made it through that whole podcast, do me one more favor. Well, actually, three more favors. Go over to my Instagram page at Listen to This Why You Shit. Give us a follow. Go over to our Twitter page, Listen and Shit. Give us a follow. And if you had the time left over, if you only if you had the time, go over to our Apple Podcast page and leave us a rating review. Tell us why you like the podcast or why you hate the podcast. Either way, I want to know. Give us a one star or five star. You let us know and tell me why so I can improve based off your review and I can get better. only way I'm ever going to get better is if you tell me why I suck. So thanks for listening.